Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast. If you like this podcast, can we recommend another one? It's called Big Picture Science. You can hear it wherever you get your podcasts, and its name tells part of the story. The big picture questions and the most interesting research in science. Seth and I are the hosts. Seth is a scientist. I am Molly, and I'm a science journalist. And we talk to people smarter than us, and we have fun along the way. The show is called Big Picture Science, and as Seth said, you can hear it wherever you get your podcasts. The Box of Oddities is now a CastBox original. CastBox is the fastest-growing, highest-rated podcast app on both iOS and Android, where you can find all your favorite podcasts. You can listen to The Box of Oddities wherever you access your podcasts. But we hope you give CastBox a try. The curator is greatly pleased with CastBox. We think it's the best. What follows may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The world is full of stories. Stories of mysteries. Of curiosities. Of oddities. Join Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the Box of Oddities. So we posted the first photo from our photo shoot on uh, the social media pages uh, a couple days ago, and we got, <laughs> we've had some hilarious uh, responses. My favorite theme is that it's not actually us, and that it's either robots or aliens pretending to be us. Or monkeys cleverly made up. <laughs> I mean, my hair was weird that day, but that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. No, it is actually us. It, it is. It's us, you big goofballs. I love the comment that uh, somebody made. It's like, oh, my God, it's like seeing Jesus's face in my toast. (laughs) (laughs) I also loved one of the beautiful freaks wrote something along the lines of uh, they look exactly like I expected them to. And one of my friends actually chimed in and said, I don't know. I pictured Kat wearing a gray sweater and I can't really tell in this picture. And that made me laugh until I coughed. And then she coughed until she peed. The thing is, it's an inside joke. Kat always wears gray sweaters all the time. Yeah, I have kind of a problem. This weekend, I'm going to spend a little time updating the uh, poster art for our live show in Nashville, and we'll be using that photo on it, too. So that'll be fun. That one specifically? You want to use that? You want to use a different one? I think so. Let's do... Okay. Yeah. Let's use the other one where we're we're standing there with the uh, pig carcass. (laughs) There was no pig carcass involved, and any animals that would have been involved, although there weren't any, would certainly have been not only not hurt... But treated like kings. That's right. And or queens. They are our fat loaves of bread that we spend lots and lots of money on. That's how I describe the pugs. 
Our live show is uh, going to be on the 27th of February in Nashville at Zany's Comedy Nightclub. You can get your tickets right now at theboxofoddities.com. We are so excited and looking forward to seeing you. Okay, I go first. Hmm. This epi- Why, you wanted to go first? I always want to go first. Oh, that's right, you do. <laughs> you always want to go first. Um, I'm getting my information from Wikipedia and also theguardian.com. It's a story about a lady, a young lady, 26-year-old named Yamini Karanam, who moved to Indiana from India. India to Indiana? Yeah. That's kind of funny. She moved to Indiana to pursue her doctorate in computer science. And while she was there studying, she started to develop these uh, debilitating headaches. They uh, started out small, but then they gradually became more and more intense, affecting her ability to study. Something's alive in there, isn't it? Something's alive and growing inside her head. Okay. Oh, gosh. It gets worse, and it's compounded by her inability to afford surgery. Okay. You know, sure, young student. They, they found a tumor in there. Oh, there's a tumor. Okay. Yeah, and they decided, uh, you know, we need to operate, and she's like, I don't have the money, but thanks to a bunch of friends, they raised the money so she could have her surgery. I think that's incredible. I think it's really amazing that... Um, a large group of people can come together for the well-being of one of their community members and take care of them. I'm just saying that's what we should do all the time. I'm yep. just saying, yep. be loving and, and kind all the time. So she has the surgery. She goes to Los Angeles. She has the surgery and they remove uh, this benign lump from her brain. But um, they noticed that there was something odd about it. It had bones and hair and teeth. The hormones let her know that she had a twin? Teratoma is what the condition is called. It's actually uh, Greek for monstrous tumor. Yes. Now, this is something that it's pretty rare. It doesn't happen a lot to that extent with the hair and the teeth and the bones and everything. But those types of tumors are not that uncommon. In fact, uh, when it comes to ovarian tumors, about 20% of them are of this type. What they are, essentially, is a little small mistake that happens before you're born. Yeah. Inside that lump was my twin. Sorry, go ahead. (laughs) Yeah. In her case, what happened was, while she was developing in her mother's womb, a little piece of the uh, embryo, I guess, broke off and then was reabsorbed. But inside that little piece was everything that it needed to know to develop into a person. And so it was doing the best it could to to become a human being. Inside her head. Inside what was her head, because it was absorbed by the tube uh, that ultimately became her brain. Now, you said that generally, uh, like very often, uh, uterine or ovary tumors like this are are twin tumors. Um, So (laughs) is that because of the way that they generally split or the parts of you that are created first in the the wombie? Yeah. What's the, does it have to do with the timing in which it's absorbed and what's developed at that point? Am I asking questions that you do not know the answers to? Am I asking questions that you have not gotten to that part in your research so that you can answer it? (laughs) Sorry. Okay. (laughs) I have so many questions. I find this terribly fascinating slash horrendous. 
And it makes me want to watch my big fat Greek wedding. These are a type of what they call germ cell tumors, a tumor that begins in the cells that gives rise to sperm and eggs. Uh, They are divided into two types, mature and immature. Uh, Basically, the type of tumor that she had was immature. Oftentimes, according to the uh, Guardian, these shiny balls of skin, bone, and hair emerge something almost recognizable as a human in its own right, especially the ovarian teratomas. They're the result of cells that become our eggs going awry, as if they're attempting to become a baby without first being fertilized. Whoa. That's intense, isn't it? So it's... Oh, wow. Yeah. It's trying to become (gasps) a baby on its own with no fertilization. You know what Jeff Goldblum always says... What does he say? Life finds a way. Oh, he does say that. I well, love, he said it the once I love, in a scripted film. <clears throat> I, love, I love him, though. Yeah, I know. In what is probably the most um, dramatic case of this, in 2003, Japanese doctors operated on a 25-year-old virgin and identified the most fully formed ovarian teratoma yet found. Now, bear in mind, this was not from a fertilized egg. This started developing on its own. It was a small, doll-like body, mostly complete. It had some fine downy hair, but it was unmistakably deformed. It had a spina bifida, and its uh, brain failed to divide into two normal hemispheres. In the center of its forehead was a single, soft, spherical, fluid-filled, quote, eye, cloaked by thick, long eyelashes. It had one ear, all of its limbs, a brain, spinal nerve, intestines, bones, blood vessels, even a jaw that was already ruptured by several teeth emerging from beneath the skin. It also had what looked like a penis positioned neatly between its legs. I have more questions. Go ahead. I don't know if I have answers, but shoot. So what spurs the egg to say let's do this bitches because normally a sperm has to get in and and be like let's make this baby happen and 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 sperm has lovely singing voice too right yeah it's it's this whole thing i picture like it's like a musical um, in your womb i was gonna say like one of those old school like dance numbers with the big stairway in the front where they come out with the canes sure, and the, sure, yeah. the little uh, leotards with the tights on. Mm-hmm. And they're like, baby time, let's make a baby. You're talking like the old Busby Berkeley musicals where they're, yeah, I know what you're talking about. I love those too. Not as much as I love Jeff Goldblum, but I love no, those too. No, of course two. not. Oh my gosh. I just want to see like 30 Jeff Goldblums all dressed in cute little leotards with tights. and Dancing downstairs with canes. Let's make this baby happen. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. <laughs> yes, Jeff Goldblum. Let's make this baby happen. Stop it. You're a married woman. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm never having a baby. Not that you know of. Well, that's true. After all of this, you might be making one right now and you don't know it. That's a valid point. To answer your question, it's like a cancer cell. It's a rogue cell and it just starts doing its own thing. That is terrifying because I I really don't want to have a baby. Well, chances are pretty good that's not going to happen. There's only like 20,000 cases of this in the world a year. Okay. And also when... so. She, that that nice lady had to have this 
um, lump mm. taken out. Yeah. Because okay, this is the brain one. No, oh, the other no, the, one. The, yeah, the ovary one. Yeah. So okay, so twenty five so, years old, virgin, virgin ovary, baby haver. Mm-hmm. She can can that can that skin and bone bag come to term, or does no. it not? It doesn't attach itself to the uterine lining, right? No, it's so not. It's, it's not alive as we would recognize, say, a fetus being so it, moving around, and you know, it, it's not an animate living thing okay it's just the parts being created it's kind of a frankenstein type situation and and because the egg doesn't attach to the uterus it's not like i mean she wasn't technically pregnant with it right it was just like attached to her ovary yeah yeah let me tell you a story about the one time that i had a cyst on my ovary okay this was about 10 years ago and I was in college and I thought maybe I had to poop. And then I thought, well, maybe I'm just having the worst menstrual cramps of my life. Mm. And then I went into the bathroom and then I laid down on the floor and just stayed there for a while and cried. And then my friend Raymond was nearby. So I crawled out of the bathroom and I said, you have to take me to the hospital. And he was so uncomfortable because he hates people being uncomfortable around him. Like big feelings make him really uncomfortable. And there I was like clinging to my, my lady parts, which also made him uncomfortable. And (laughs) I'm like, I, you have to drive my car to the hospital. I need to go to the hospital right now. And he was like, okay. So then we went to the hospital and I just laid on the passenger side floor crying the whole time. And then when we got to the hospital, I just laid on the floor and clung onto his leg while he kept trying not to punch me because that's the only feeling that he could like the only emotion that made sense to him was to just punch me to make it stop (laughs) guys react to things very differently yeah especially when it involves pain in ladies parts yeah anyway i'm fine now and he did not punch me (laughs) i'm so glad that both of those things are true yeah Apart from uh, teratomas, babies sometimes turn up with growths of a parasitic twin. Now, you had talked about this case uh, a few episodes ago, Lakshmi Tatma from India. She recently had, uh, like in, in like 2014 or something, she had a conjoined headless sibling that was removed. and Oh, I didn't talk about her. Oh, you didn't talk about her? I thought that was one of your examples. It's interesting. Why is it, it? Is it a coincidence that you had an example of parasitic twinning from India? And then two of these examples that I'm giving for this type of thing, mm-hmm. they both came from India, too. Well, India has an enormous population. I so think any sort of statistics. abnormality is going to. Sure. Yeah, that would be my guess. Yeah. Okay. Or maybe tiki masala has a side effect that I don't know about, but I don't care because it's delicious. That's what I love about you. You have your priorities in order. (laughs) I could develop a parasitic twin by eating this, but I'm just a big fan of delicious cuisine from foreign lands. So spicy and creamy. More rare still are what they call Russian doll formations. Yeah. Fetuses within fetuses or tumors within tumors. In this case, it's a, a newborn baby that is malformed and has a lifeless twin enveloped within itself. So it's like a skin sack inception kind of situation? Yeah, it's it, it, somehow in the womb, part of the uh, 
the embryo breaks off and mm. then is absorbed by the other, yeah. but it continues to grow as a separate thing. Sure. Not really a life form. Well, I don't know. It's, who knows? It's too sciencey for me. I understand. There was a case in Boston not too long ago. A woman had gone for some blood tests. She was going to get a kidney transplant. Uh, she had three biological sons and they were potential donors. The tests, though, came back and said two of her three boys were not hers, yet her husband was their father. I feel like I heard about this. Was it some, because she had two different types of DNA in her? Is that right? That is exactly right. They, yes. They discovered that her body contained two genetically distinct groups of cells. What had happened was she had actually been one of a pair of non-identical twin girls and their embryos had fused in the womb very early on. Her blood was, I guess, uh, carrying DNA from one twin while the tissue was carrying DNA from the other, in which case, genetically speaking, her unborn twin was the parent of the two boys. That's unreal. And not her. Technically, that's the case. That's magical. And freaky as hell. It, it most certainly is. Now, I mentioned that it happens most often with women. In their lady parts. With men, it happens most often in the testicles. Oh, it yeah. It presents as testicular cancer. Sure. And I actually have a friend. Who, who had a twin in his testicle? Yeah, yeah. It had um, hair and bone fragments. Some of these things become really weird, like they actually have eyes. Not his, but... Right. Yeah. But it was... His testicle was trying to make a baby on its own. So at a certain point, would that baby pile just stop growing on its own? How how does it come to an end? Is it always something's wrong with my testicle and I'm going to the doctor and they discover this baby pile? Or is it... Does, Does it, it continue, continue to, to grow? grow? Like Each case is different. It's okay. it's like many forms of, of cancer. The, uh, the tumor may grow bigger. Mm -hmm. It may stay the same size and spread. It can metastasize into other types of... Baby pile? Malignant cancerous tissue. Really? Yeah. That's extremely rare when that happens. But besides the ovaries and the testicles, they can form, obviously, in the brain. Sure. Like that first case we talked about. They can develop inside your tongue. They have found them inside people's tongue, under the tongue. Why certain parts more than others? I want to, like, not, why not the elbow? Yeah, I don't really know. I think it has to do with the process in the womb and in mm -hmm. certain areas are more conducive for this type of thing to continue to grow. Okay, kind of like mushrooms will grow in a basement, but not in you know, yeah, a yeah, I guess sunroom. Sure, sure. Now I'm thinking about mushrooms growing under my tongue. Thanks a lot. Oh, that's grosser than hair and teeth? Yes, <laughs> to me it is. <laughs> um, but uh, they can grow pretty large, not necessarily the size of a, of a newborn baby, although I guess it's, it's possible. Mm. But um, oftentimes, like with the testic testicular version of this, it presents as a numb lump in the testicles. And oftentimes people just, you know, it's not painful or anything. And they, and they think, oh, I better go have that checked out, which right. by the way, you know, you should. Absolutely do all the time. Uh, my friend didn't. Check your stuff. My friend didn't. He found this and he waited like three or four months because he was afraid. 
And he was very lucky, though. He went and he had to have his testicle removed, Mm -hmm. obviously, but it had not metastasized and spread. So he was very, very, very lucky. For sure. And uh, let's take this amazing opportunity to say, check all your stuff. Don't be scared. The scary thing is not knowing, Mm. not getting it checked out. You feel around on your bits. Mm -hmm. It's important. It is important. But with my friend, it wasn't painful or anything, but he knew something was wrong. And that's, they say, very often the case is that's what it can be. Right. And it's very simple in most cases to correct because it's it's a surgical thing. They may, in some cases, prescribe radiation or, or chemo as a follow-up. But in a high percentage of cases, just the act, if, the, if you catch it early enough, just cutting it out, you're done. Are there ever instances of repeat flesh bundles? I have not heard of any repeat flesh bundle occurrences, Mm -hmm. but uh, I guess it would be possible. But in all the information that I read, I had not seen anything like that. It tends to, if it it spreads, it it tends to spread as uh, like leukemia, something, another type of of a cancer. Oh, wow. So there you go. Teratomas. That's rough. Yeah. They should make little baby doll play sets like Teratoma for Christmas time for children that have like dark interests. So like a baby doll that has like a, a little hatch on its belly and there's like this little mutant baby doll that comes out of it. Yeah, like Mr. Potato Head kind right. of thing. You know, you just where instead of storing the, the eye and nose parts inside the body, you just store the the deformed teratoma in there. Sure. And yeah, it would just have like one arm and a big eye in the middle of its head. Sure. And eyelashes and bones, teeth sticking out. Just in time for the holidays. And now, that thing in the middle. That thing in the middle comes from one of our freaks. Uh, this is Joanna. She emailed us at curator at the box of oddities.com. Um, she said, I've become obsessed with your podcast in my family. If they hear me say the box of oddities one more time, they may disown me. Any hoozle, I have a story for you. About 12 years ago, our family was in church for Easter. My now ex-husband, Brian, and I were sitting in the pew in front of my parents. All of a sudden, during Mass, we both felt my parents frantically tap us on our shoulders. We turned around to see a woman in physical distress. My ex-husband is an EMT, so he ran over to help her and ended up having to call 911. It was extremely upsetting, but the woman ended up being okay. After Mass, we were all together for dinner, and I said to my parents, It's a good thing you guys got our attention when you did. What do you mean, my mom said, when you tapped us on the shoulder to help the woman. We didn't tap you on the shoulder. We didn't even know what was going on or that she needed help until Brian ran over to help her. I honestly thought they were joking with me, but I could tell by the looks on their faces that they were telling the truth. Every time I think of that day, I get chills because I know there was something communicating with us from the beyond. That's amazing. I love stories like that. It's excellent. Okay, anyway. The Box of Oddities with Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth. So for those of you who wear contacts, you know, it can be a bit of a hassle. 
And it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be a pain just to be able to see good. <laughs> no, you need it for the see good times. Exactly. There's so much, so many demands on your life. And it's very easy to kind of like, okay, well, you know, I'll renew the prescription later or I'll get to it eventually. But now Simple Contacts let you renew your prescription and reorder your contacts from anywhere you are in just minutes. This is vision care for the 21st century. Okay, so... Take the five-minute Simple Contacts vision test online. It'll be reviewed by a licensed doctor. You receive a renewed prescription and reorder your contacts. All you need is your current contacts, an internet connection, and 10 feet of space. Now, you might be thinking, how reliable is this? Well, it's incredibly reliable because it's been designed by ophthalmologists and a licensed doctor reviews every test so you can skip the office visit, but don't skip the care. And Simple Contacts has all the brands and types of lenses that you're familiar with, so you don't have to shop around to find your lenses at the best price. And speaking of price... The vision test is only $20. What? Compare that with an appointment, which without insurance could cost up to $200, and the contact lens prices are unbeatable. Standard shipping is free, and best of all, as a box of oddities listener, we got a deal for you. Get $20 off your contacts at simplecontacts.com slash box or enter code box at checkout. Now, this is not a replacement for your periodic full eye health exam. You should still do that. Right. Your computer is not a doctor. Simple Contacts tests that your current prescription still helps you see 2020 and renews your prescription. They don't write completely new prescriptions or examine eye health, which is why you still need to see your regular eye doctor man or lady eye doctor or non-gendered eye doctor i don't care for your full periodic eye exam or also for tea get twenty dollars off your contacts at simplecontacts.com slash box or enter code box at checkout simple contacts again twenty dollars off your contacts at simplecontacts.com slash box or enter code box at checkout can I just say thank goodness for Audible? I love Audible because I don't have time to read a lot of books, but I love reading books. But I love it even more when somebody reads them for me. Certainly makes a long drive go by fast. Absolutely. And now there's no better place to listen than Audible because Audible members get even more exclusive audio fitness programs, audiobooks, Audible originals, and more. One of the books that we have drawn information from on the Box of Oddities podcast, and one that we would highly recommend, is Cosmos by Carl Sagan. I'm currently listening to Cosmos, A Personal Voyage by Carl Sagan, narrated by LeVar Burton, yes. Seth MacFarlane, yes. Neil deGrasse Tyson, mm -hmm. and Andrian. That was his lady. Aww. Yeah. Every month, Audible members get one credit good for any audiobook they choose, plus two Audible originals from a changing selection that you cannot get anywhere else. Yeah, so your membership includes one free audiobook a month, which is amazing. If every month someone was just like, here's a book, how amazing is that? <laughs> it's the thing. It's the only thing that I want is for someone to just hand me a book every month. Plus, the books that you get are yours to keep with Audible. You can go back and re-listen at any time. And even if you cancel your membership, they're yours. Didn't like the audiobook, then uh, you can exchange it. No questions asked. How about that? Plus, you can share a book from your library with anyone. And if it's their first time accepting a book through this feature, they can listen for free. Start a 30-day trial with your first audiobook free. Go to audible.com slash box or simply text box 
to 500-500. That's audible.com slash box or text box to 500-500 to get started. Start a 30-day trial right now with your first audiobook being free. Again, audible.com slash box or simply text box, B-O-X, to 500-500. You get all that stuff. Plus, you support the Box of Oddities. The Box of Oddities. It's not for everyone. By the way, if you're listening to this uh, on the day of release, happy Thanksgiving. Oh, yeah. In the United States. And, more importantly, uh, happy launching into sales season. (laughs) Yes. Uh, We are currently in the midst of our Black Plague Friday sale Mm -hmm. and soon looking forward to Cyborg Monday. You can find our merch on our website, theboxofoddities.com. All right, sugar britches, what you got for me? Okay, prepare yourself. This is rough. Rougher than tumors with yep. teeth and hair? Yep. Oh, no. All right, I'm, okay. I'm stealing myself. Hang Steal on. your bits. Okay. So it's 1924, and April Jesse Mayen, who knew something was going on with her husband, knew that something was up. He had been away for the last couple of weekends. He had a long history of business. Um, She confided in a friend who was a former railway policeman. She said that um, she knew that her husband was up to something. Was he a flim-flam man? He was a flim-flam man. And she had found a luggage ticket in the pocket of one of her husband's suits. So she was pretty suspicious that her husband was having an affair, and she asked her friend to investigate. So finding a luggage ticket in your husband's suit pocket is the 1920s version of going through his cell phone. Something like that, yes. Okay. Yeah. So her friend went to Waterloo Station exchanged the ticket in and found a locked travel bag. This is one of those classic, like, travel bags that you'd picture in your head, almost like a doctor's bag, you know, those leather satchel, you know, with the metal frame and the... Just big enough for a severed head. (laughs) Just about, yeah. So he, uh, very carefully, not to disturb, uh, kind of pulled the sides apart and he could see inside that bag a knife and blood-stained female underwear. Oh, no. So he put the bag back and gave the ticket back to Jessie and told her to put it back in her husband's suit pocket. That is horrifying. What I want to know is what he told her when he came back. He didn't tell her? I don't know. Oh, okay. We don't know. Okay, he just said, put it back and don't tell him. I didn't find any details about that conversation, but man, I wish. So the next day... May 2nd, Patrick Mayen turned up, presented the ticket, he was given the bag, and as he was leaving the station, he was apprehended by authorities. So case closed. Sure, yep. (laughs) That's it. Good night, everyone. (laughs) Mayen was taken to Kennington Police Station and then later Scotland Yard. So the questioning began around 9.45 p.m. The bag was on the table, still unopened. And Mann admitted that the bag was his. So the police officer that he was dealing with, his last name was Savage, by the way, which I think is badass. Um, Savage said, oh, is it yours? So he opened it up, pulled out a couple of the bloodstained items, including that torn pair of bloody underwear and a canvas racket bag, initialed EBK, uh, which you will notice are not 
Patrick Mann's initials. No. Everything had been um, disinfected, and when asked about the blood, Pat, which we will call him from now on, said, I suppose I've carried home meat or something for the dogs in it. Mm -hmm. To which Savage replied, that explanation won't do. (laughs) So they sat for a little while longer, um, and Mann popped up with, I wonder if you can realize how terrible a thing it is for someone's body to be active and one's mind to fail to act. That's the only thing he said for another 15 minutes or so. Wow. Finally, Mann said, I'm considering my position. So after another 15 minutes, Mann said, I suppose you know everything. I'll tell you the truth. Oh, my. So You broke down after all that time. Right. Patrick Herbert Mann. He was born in Liverpool in 1889 and married to 23-year-old Jesse on the 6th of April, 1910. He was a philanderer. He was a gambler, and he was known to be violent. About a year after he and Jesse were married, he took another girl for a weekend on the Isle of Man and paid for the visit with forged checks. And for this offense, he was um, soon in prison, and then he was found guilty of embezzlement. Um, He had a constant stream of women in his life. He was attempting a robbery at one point and hit a maidservant with a hammer. So he, he was a model husband. Right. He's doing really great. He's discovered that Jesse's love language is violent (laughs) shit husbands. So he got about five years in prison for that assault. On his release, his wife, who, yes, was still his wife, got him a job as a salesman in the firm that she worked for. Still his wife, and she gets him a job. Right. Um, Also at that company worked Miss Emily Kay. Miss Kay was 38 years old. She was an athletic woman. Uh, She was careful with her money. She had lots of dollars invested in stocks and shares. And in the summer of 1922, Emily and Pat started spending some time together. Clearly, she didn't know his history. Emily ended up getting a different job, but they still continued to see each other. They were spending weekends together. Um, He was taking off with her for lengths of time. And in March of 1924, so this had been going on for a year and a half-ish, Mann bought a diamond and sapphire cluster ring from a jeweler's in Southampton, and Emily was telling her friends that she was engaged. Oh, my So at the beginning of April of this year, 1924, Emily told her close friend, Edith, that a date had been fixed for the wedding, that they were going to move to South Africa, and first they were going to Paris to celebrate this whole new chapter in their lives. On that same day, Mann, calling himself a different name, had traveled down to what's called Crumbles. It's a row of houses or an area of houses that doesn't have, like, the best reputation. Uh, there had been some some goings-on there. Okay. Seedy, if you will. Seedy, okay. And rented the officer's house there for a few months. So Pat sent Emily his side dish, a telegram on the 12th of April requesting that they meet at the station. She asked the receptionist at the hotel she was leaving to forward any mail to where she was going to be in Paris and was on her way. That same day, Pat had paid a visit to the Staines Kitchen Equipment Company and had purchased a 10-inch Cook's knife and a small meat saw. Oh, good Lord. 
This isn't going to end well. Emily met Pat, and they went off to the officer's house. So on the 14th or the 15th, they're not sure which, Emily had inquired about any mail at Kenilworth Court. That was the last time that someone could confirm that they saw her alive. Okay. According to Pat's statement to the police, this is what had happened. He and Emily had quarreled on the 16th. She had thrown an axe at him, hitting a door frame, and then during the struggle, she had fallen and hit her head on a coal bucket and had died. They also discovered during this period that she was two months pregnant. Okay. He says he panicked and disposed of the body. So he wasn't trying to claim that uh, she fell on a meat saw and hacked herself up. Oh, no. Okay. No, no. So Pat directed Scotland Yard detectives to the seaside bungalow that contained the charred remains of his pregnant mistress, Emily Kay. That is rough. Detectives came into this bungalow and were forced to pour through congealed fat, blood, pieces of charred bone, discovering pieces of Kay's dismembered body hidden in hat boxes and trunks. They found boiled female body parts in a biscuit tin. This is just a really dark Easter egg hunt. It's pretty awful. Good God. Renowned pathologist Sir Bernard Spilsbury put on his long white apron and rubber gloves and asked officers to bring the parts to his library at the courtyard. The pathologist was actually appalled when they began to pick up the body parts with their bare hands. Oh, my God. And he asked if they had gloves and was told that no one that worked for Scotland Yard ever wore protective gear. Really? So they're like literally handling boiled body parts with their bare hands. Wow. I mean, when, when, did, uh, when did a more proper process come into play? It must have been shortly after that, I would think. Maybe, maybe at the same time that they really started to understand uh, antiseptics and things like that. Very possible. So his story is starting to not make that much sense anymore. Okay. We discovered that what had actually happened was Pat had killed Emily. He had dragged her body into the spare bedroom and locked the door. The next day, he returned to London to meet up with a girl that he'd met the week before, Ethel, and took her out to dinner. He invited her to come spend the upcoming Easter weekend with him at a bungalow. Not for an Easter egg hunt, was it? No, for a romantic weekend. Okay. At a bungalow on the Crumbles, to which she agreed. On the morning of Good Friday, Pat was back to the bungalow and the horror began. He began dismembering Emily's body with a saw. And that knife that he had bought in London, the parts were put in various containers around the bungalow. In the evening, he went back and met Ethel uh, at Eastbourne Station, and they spent the weekend together at that bungalow. She did not know. No. None the wiser. She saw a trunk in the spare bedroom. Pat had said that it was full of valuable books. And while she was there, he screwed the door shut. No. But she said she didn't find that suspicious in any way. And then she returned to her home in London on Monday. During that following week, Pat built a fire in the sitting room and burned Emily's head, which he had severed from her body. Oh, my God. He actually told his defense lawyer, 
that he had built a big fire one stormy evening and threw the head on it. And as the hair flamed up, the dead eyes suddenly opened at the same moment that a great clap of thunder crashed overhead. And this apparently freaked him out. And he ran out <laughs> into the storm screaming. Well, I understand that that would freak him out, but... The idea of hacking somebody up with a meat saw and then burning them in the fireplace doesn't? No, just the opening eyes. Oh. That's that's creepy. Okay. Yeah. Other parts followed, disposed of in the same way. The, uh, the bits were further dismembered uh, and boiled in stew pans in the kitchen. Uh, Pat put the last remains into that Gladstone bag. And then when he was on the train on the way back to Waterloo Station, just tossed bits out the window. <gasps> no. Yeah. Oh, my God. So that's where all that blood and that bag came from. Okay. Was from the bits that he had tossed out of the train window. Oh, my God. I, I don't know. My, my brain works in a weird way. It immediately went to a, a scene of a farmer working in a field and just getting hit in the face with with splattery body parts oh. as the train goes by. I don't think that any body parts uh, did make it to the uh-huh. the heads of was, any farmers. Okay, good. No. But police had seen enough at that point, and um, <laughs> they went ahead and they arrested uh, Pat Herbert Mann for the murder of Emily Kay. He was executed for the murder in September of 1924. Now, after the man investigation, rubber gloves became standard equipment at murder scenes. Uh-huh. The pathologist Spilsbury urged Scotland Yard to review how they handled evidence, and this would lead to the introduction of a murder bag, which, along with rubber gloves, included forceps, a tape measure, a magnifying glass, and sample bags. And that is how gloves became introduced to investigations at Scotland Yard. Scotland Yard? Scotland Yard. That is incredible. Oh, P.S. Um, Pat's wife remained faithful to the end, uh, to the day that he was executed, uh, never left his side, was totally faithful to him, uh, supported him the whole time. Why? No understanding of that at all. What? Let's, let's, let's back up and pretend yeah. that I had said that before the end part where I talked about the gloves being introduced, because that's a better way to end it. Okay. So um, uh, just in your brain, reverse those things that that just happened. And that's how gloves became introduced to investigations at Scotland Yard. Okay. That's great. Awful, right? That is incredibly grisly. And it shows you just how, like, he had to have been like a narcissist psycho because he was wooing another woman with... This bit, yeah, the yeah. bits, bits right in, about are all around. Bits in a trunk. And it can't have smelled good. It had been days. It had been days. And things had been burned. And cooked. Oh, my God. So, yeah, I told you it was rough. Yeah. Sorry about that. Uh, well, we've got, we're dog sitting, so we have an additional uh, dog here. And everyone's a little jacked up, so we, sh- we got to cut this short. Yeah, Willie doesn't like it. No. Uh-oh. Sorry. Plus, it's dinner time. Yeah. So I'm just going to quickly say, uh, get your tickets for the live show, theboxofoddities.com. Click on live show. Hopefully we'll see you in Nashville uh, in February. The Box of Oddities, twice a week. We'll see you on Monday. 
Until then, keep flying that freak flag. Fly it proudly, you beautiful freak. And so, let it be known that the box of oddities belongs to you, and its fate is in your hands. The Box of Oddities commits to the telling of stories. Stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected. We wish to offer our deeply felt gratitude and appreciation for your patronage. TheBoxOfOddities.com Copyright 2018. All rights reserved. Who's ready to eat? Ah! Yeah. Dinner time. Hello everyone, it's Takuyi here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be. Do you love history but hate when it's stuffy and boring? Well, look no further and join me, Katie Charlwood, your friend the neighborhood social scientist and reader of books, as I delve into unsolved historical mysteries, murders by gaslight, and of course, women who have been misrepresented through all time. On Who Did What Now, the history podcast that's not your history class. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.